We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Monday Fantasy Football Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss. As always, our podcast is brought to you by the folks at Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Thank you for your sponsorship, Yahoo. Appreciate you. All right, Chris, big draft weekend this past weekend. Actual news on cutdown day that affected our fantasy leagues. Starting off at the top, uh, LaShawn McCoy gets cut by the Bills, signs with the Chiefs. The Chiefs trade Carlos Hyde to the Texans. The Texans trade for Kenny Stills. They trade away J.D. Van Clowney. They trade for Laramie Tunstill. A lot of moving parts. Let's start off with the uh, the Bills, actually. Uh, and Devin Singletary is a guy that steps into presumably the starting job for the uh, Bills at, at running back with McCoy gone. But what role is he stepping into? Is he going to be a full-time guy? Is he going to lose carries to Gore and Yeldon and just kind of be that kind of middling sort of guy? Uh, 
I mean, I don't know. Nobody really knows, right? I mean, that's right. the thing. But I think it's a good situation. I mean, you really want Frank Gore to be your backup. I know in the past that hasn't worked out because Gore has defied expectations and been able to actually, you know, get more carries than people thought he deserved. But I think at age 36, you're pretty happy Frank Gore is your competition. Mm-hmm. And then Yeldon is okay. I think Yeldon, he didn't really live up to his pedigree and you know, it's now has you know been on another team than a different one than he was drafted at. He was never like an ideal third down back. So I think there's, you know, two and a half down potential here, maybe even three down potential if he's good, because right. there's nobody there. That's like really blocking him. They're just guys. Remember? I mean, this is a crazy comp, but remember the angels had like five outfielders and DHs when Mike Trout came up and it was like, well, how's he going to play there? There's five guys. It's like, yeah, but yeah. there were five guys in decline. And so if the talent's there, it's there now you know, obviously this guy's not going to be the greatest running back of all time, but if he's just like pretty good, you know, just like above average and, you know, and pretty good, he can take it over. That's true. Uh, I will say this though. Um, what sort of situation is he stepping into? Not a great one. Josh Allen, at quarterback. Yeah. Rushing quarterback helps offensive line, not generally considered one of the better ones. I'm scrolling down our offensive line rankings on RotoWire, which you should check out. It's not as bad as I thought it was. It's 19. Um, last year, you know, they, they invest this year, they invest in free agency, uh, they, you know, after trading away guys last year. So they're trending up at least. Uh, and by the way, this is a quiet little good resource on RotoWire is to check out our offensive line rankings, our offensive line grid, uh, do a lot of updating on that. It's, it's, it's done really well. So, uh, it's not the disaster area that it was perceived to be going into last year. Right. And, and I have a hot, hard time ranking them. Maybe there's like a, you know, Dallas is really good and the saints have a really good offensive line and the Patriots line is pretty good, but, and then there's a couple like the Cardinals and the, you know, I, I know the Colts are good. The Cardinals are bad. The, uh, well, the Texans might be a little bit better now. They just traded for Tunstall, but probably the dolphins is bad. Now they traded their best guy. You know, there's a couple on the extreme ends Yes. And then anything in the middle, I'm not going to pay a whole lot of attention to that. Like whether offensive line is the 19th best or 11th best. I mean, are we really in a position to say that with any certainty? So sure. um, as long as it's not terrible, I probably just won't even consider it. If it's great, you know, I'll give it, I'll give him a point in his favor. And if it's just one of the, you know, really bad ones, then I'll actually dock the guy. All right. So let's look at the extremes. Extremes are Dolphins 32, just trade away Laramie Tunsil. Of course, they're going to be trend downward. Bengals 31, Cardinals 30. Uh, they, they, you know, and the Raiders are 29. I don't know about, you know, Raiders, I haven't heard much talk about their offensive line. Um, but they, they, uh, they, this is a team that kind of shaved off some veterans on both offense and defensive lines the last two years. So I can kind of see it there. Uh, at the top, Cowboys, Eagles, are one, two, Saints, three, Steelers, four. A lot of usual suspects, Colts, five. That's not as usual as a suspect, but they were very good last year. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, again, it changes a bunch, but right. just just <laughs> at the bottom three, and, you know, we have rankings, but they're pretty much the consensus that, like, the Dolphins and Cardinals right. and Bengals are pretty bad. It's, and then the obvious ones, like the Colts and Cowboys and Saints are good. Um you know, I, I think that's usually holds up pretty well, you know, just at the extremes that I think the seventh best, you know, whether that is predictable or not, I think then, then it gets really nebulous. Yep. That's right. So, uh, you know, that that's together. Yeah, that's, I think, uh, I think it's a really good point. So I think that that's the way to kind of look at it there, but going back to Singletary, 
Greg Ambrosius was on our XM show today. He said there was a draft where he went, and this is like, uh, I think one of the, you know, they're all high, like high entry fee type things, but this was one of the super premium ones, and he went 37th overall, uh, which is way high. He went, he went like uh, 61 in, or no, that's not true, uh, 57 in uh, my uh, Classic League, which is a 14-teamer. And obviously 12 versus 14 matters a little bit. Uh, and in the case of Singletary, we'll see where he ends up. But I, I'm probably a little lower on that. I like having him. I liked, <laughs> I liked grabbing him as the lottery ticket earlier uh, when he was getting first-team reps. Now that, now that he's you know, got a job or a heightened profile at least, I don't like his current price. Well, everyone likes to pay for potential at cheap than yeah. sort of the actual job now at expensive because that's where the profit is, right? Like maybe sure. what exactly what happens happens. They trade the starter. They release the starter McCoy and that we knew this was possible or that McCoy gets hurt or he's just not good and Singletary overtakes him. And so of course you want to, you know, gamble on the upside. It's just like fantasy baseball when you know, all the $5 guys you love and all the $35 guys you're like, I pretty much played full price for mm-hmm. that's just how it goes. Right. But if you buy 23, $5 guys, you haven't spent, you've left too much money on the table. So you're, you're never going to love, you know, these guys at full price, you're always going to love them as a, a speculative ad. So it is what it is. And now you got to pay up. It's just nice when you already have them and you know, you have them in a couple of leagues, I have them in a couple of leagues and you didn't have to pay the full freight. Yeah, that's right. Of course. So, yeah, it's kind of hipsters to say I loved him when I was getting in the 11th round. I was cool then. Yeah. But uh, same thing with like Miles Sanders or any one of these other uh, rising guys like that. Uh, You know, I think Frank Gore will still be there to annoy and perplex us that he's getting these these carries Uh, and and for announcers to extol how he knows how to play the game the right way. So then, you know. Yeah. Not approvingly. Uh, and then, of course, T.J. Elden, I think actually he benefits a little bit, too, by being, more, you know, he's pretty much locked in as the passing down guy. Because is I, he? I think is he, he is. I mean, I'm looking at I'm not, let's pull up Singletary's body of work. But I know yeah, look at his college. Look at me. Look what he did in college. I always I always feel like it's not 100 percent. But if the guy didn't catch at least 20 passes his last year in college, it's incredibly rare that he becomes, you know, a third down guy in the NFL and Singletary had six college. catches last year. Ooh. Yeah. That's six. Tough. That's about as low as I've ever seen. 19 the year before that he, he went down he went from 26 to 19 to yeah, six. 26. Yeah. That's weird. And he's five, seven, two Oh three, which you'd think that was a pass catching frame. You know, that little guy, mm-hmm. usually those guys can catch. He didn't have a great combine. You know, he was four six six in the forty. Shuttle time was four forty. Cone drill seven thirty two. A lot of red bars on his like his measurables. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like yeah, that's that's true, man. I mean, I don't really care about the long speed as much as I said. It's like the quickness, but the right. shuttle time is somewhat quickness, and it wasn't great. Cone drill's quickness was terrible. His uh, broad jump, which is explosiveness to some extent, was pretty good. It wasn't anything special. It's actually average. Uh, he really didn't have a good combine. I don't know. There's been some buzz on him in camp. They, and, and the thing is like releasing McCoy doesn't necessarily mean they love Singletary because I mean, releasing McCoy made sense even if they had nobody there, right? The bills probably not very close to competing. And I mean, they're going to try, but they're not a very good team and releasing a veteran 30 year old. That's, that's not even, that's a no brainer. 
I think adding Yeldon is actually kind of uh, not a bad little play in PPR leagues. 56 catches last year. Uh, he's not bad. He just. He was a second round pick, you know. Yeah. Uh, and no one ta- and no one's touting him. Um, I And you know what's funny is think about how bad Fournette was in that Jacksonville system. I mean, maybe Yeldon is. What if Yeldon's good? You know, Yeldon, he's was, he was second I, overall pick. They, they, I guess they felt they couldn't pass up Fournette the following year, so they took him. And then so that was the end of Yeldon, who never really had a chance. He wasn't bad as a rookie. You know, he wasn't terrible at all and became a decent pass catcher. He was very inefficient as a pass catcher. Well, no, not last year. He was efficient last year. Um, the first couple of years he wasn't especially efficient. But you're right. Maybe Yeldon is sort of the absolutely cheap dark horse here. Yeah, I mean, Yeldon it didn't run, hasn't run the ball. Well, but he, and he was working primarily with the that's, second it's not, unit. It's not, been, it's not been terrible. And think about compare Yeldon to Fournette's yards per carry. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just saying, like I, the reports in training camp where he it were, were that he wasn't running the ball all that well. You know, and but the thing is, like in summer, like in mini camp, he had a groin injury, so he got started a little late too. Um, yeah, I don't Yeldon think Yeldon also slow at four point six, but he's six one two twenty three. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a lot bigger. So him being slow is less, less alarming. And he's the pass catcher. I don't yeah. know. I, I agree. I mean, Gore, you can't own Gore is only there to harm the other backs. That's really his only role at this point. Yeah. That, that was kind of my take too. I mean, he is going to get some work, I guess in a best ball, you can use him cause he might score some touchdowns, no, but dude, in a best ball, it's like, Hey, you can use everybody in the best ball because that's, that's also true. He could have his best. If you just get their best game of the season and use them for that. I think Gore's best game of the season will be very borderline in best ball. Unless it's like week 15 when everybody's injured already. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll, if he's still alive at that point, yeah, it's, maybe die of old age though. That's the risk with Gore. <laughs> you're terrible. You're terrible. So could you then? So could you. And cause you're old as, as my elder. Um, yes, yes you're more at risk. But uh, no, um, all at risk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- that, enough of the Buffalo backfield. That's as much time as we're going to spend on the Buffalo backfield for this week, at least. Uh, Kansas City is where the big debate arises. How far does Damian Williams drop? How much does McCoy improve? How far does Darwin Thompson drop? Uh, you know, Darwin Thompson, that was a guy like I did the pentathlon auction last week. He got bought for seven bucks and everyone's like, oh, I, I can't believe I didn't pull the trigger to go one more. I'm like, because I think he someone threw him out at seven. And he, it's stuck. And I was like, best cricket ever. You know, there's a lot of people that always chirp about crickets chirping, but uh, yeah. that always, you know, talk. Oh, you know, that was a great nomination. You know, Davis Maddox in that league and Davis has never been short of having an opinion. And he was like, I can't believe I didn't do that or I couldn't do that or something like that. A lot of people are extolling that. Now, all of a sudden, he's a third running back. For now, he could still be the starter in week nine, but for now, he's clearly number three on the team. Yeah, they're going to fight it out. The one that adapts best is going to survive uh, and uh, could be it could be Darwin. Uh, I, I kind of think that, uh, that Darwin Thompson at this, you know, when you get him in now, if you're drafting, you got him in like the 13th or 14th round is a great pick. It's a perfect guy because the upside is still just as high as it ever was. It just may take longer to get there and right. they may have to just kind of meander their way into making that decision. But it is funny. It's like, you know, and then I was just thinking McCoy, like 
what if McCoy just gets the first handoff like in week one and you're like, uh oh, like yeah. what's going on here? And he what breaks it for like ten bad? yards, twelve yards, exactly. and you're like, oh, it's a well no. schemed play. It's well blocked. Yeah, uh, Mahomes, you know, leads him on a perfect little easy route out of the backfield, makes a guy miss. You're like, oh yeah, McCoy. McCoy used to be like one of the best backs in the NFL. Hey, he's healthy again. He's on a good team. Ahoy, McCoy. Yeah. There's a guy in my uh, NFFC classic team. Feel bad for him. Took Williams in the second round. It's like, okay, but I'll back him up with Thompson in the seventh. You know, and you, you know, I know how you feel about handcuffs, especially seventh round handcuffs. Uh, uh, and now he may not even have the starter. Yeah. Well, you know, that's how it goes, man. You know, you, uh, you think you're being uh, crafty, but it's not always the case. Yeah, and his only other backs are James White, uh, you know, besides those two Chiefs, Damian Harris, and Ty Montgomery. So he's kind of screwed in week one. He already kind of was yeah. left shorthanded in the first place. But that's also the 14-teamer. You know, you, you know, he also has Kittle, so he's like, you know, he's ahead of the game at tight end. You know, that's the trade-off. You know, and, you know, that, that's, and he took Adams in the first round. So that's, you know, you give, you give something here, you get something back there. It happens right. all the time. In the waveless league, which is 14 teams, I have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Juju. And the rest of my team looks like crap, you know, because it was like, yeah, well, I have my number two receiver, number one tight end, number one QB, and a QB flex. Like, yeah, I'm not going to look strong at receiver and running back. You know yeah. I mean? You're going to give up something. Yeah. So you did the opposite of me, basically, in the 14 team, where you went strong at quarterback tight end. Um, and as a consequence, you know, you're going to have to, uh, and the thing is, if you're good at oh. spotting the upside guys and getting the right price on like some of the, the end game guys, and you've got upside still and you know, one of them hits and you're fine. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter where you're getting your points from, right? It's just yeah. the total points. And I've got, I got two QBs. I got Stafford and Foles. I mean, I have three, but I got two toggle QBs and then I got Mahomes, and I got, um, you know, Sony Michelle and Duke Johnson is my starting backs. And I got Latavius Murray and, and I, and I did get Singletary for three when he was cheap. So, you know, I've got like, it's not like my team is, um, terrible. And I've got some, like, can't remember who my receivers are, but they're not great mm-hmm. after uh, Juju, but I have Kelsey and you know, it's 14 teams. You're not going to come out strong at quarterback, tight end receiver, running back. It's not going to be the case. No, that's definitely, that's definitely true. Uh, how far down does Damian Williams go for you? Uh, where did you have him before that? And 24, where is he now? 24 PPR. It's funny because, uh, Dalton, who I'll probably have a bet on with this league. We're going to do the podcast Wednesday. Um, I, he took Damian Williams. He has him like every league and I almost thought of bidding him one up and I felt like he would have let Williams go. He, he got Chubb. I bit him up on Chubb. He said, I would have gone 10 more if he kept going. It's like, yeah, I got you one, you know, two made you pay $2 more. But, uh, he would have gone. I, I almost like was like, ah, I shouldn't have let him get Damon Williams. And now I'm glad because obviously he'd be go for a lot cheaper if we redid it. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, so, uh, you, know, th- you know, the thing is, so like he's a second or third round pick in most of these leagues. Now he's as low as like in the 60s. I've seen some of the NFFC contests. I don't think I let it go that long. I think he's I think even a guy that gets 12 to 15 touches for the Chiefs is worth like a fifth round price because it's that offense because it's in the passing game. You know, he's going to be the receiving back, right? I mean, I, I think Darwin Thompson might be dangerous to him. Yeah, he might be. It's not like Damon. Damon Williams was kind of the receiving back in Miami, but he didn't have a big role. And, and he and has been for the chiefs though. That's the thing. You know, he can catch passes. 
he can catch passes, but is he the receiving back? Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that, I guess that's really the, uh, that that's related to debate, I suppose. But I think, I, I think Nick Chubb got pushed up a little bit too far. Like he shouldn't be going ahead of Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. You know, we've debated that one already. I think he should, but I, I, I can see the argument against it. Uh, but it's now is the argument against Chubb mostly Kareem Hunt based or are you worried about it's actual partly production? Hunt based and it's partly like, you know, maybe Baker has enough check down in Jarvis Landry and that's it. They don't need to throw, you know, Duke Johnson's gone and does Chubb take on Duke Johnson's role or is Chubb just an adequate receiver who can do that? And they'll do that for 36 catches or 42 catches, but he's not going to get, you know, if Bell may get 72 catches and Chubb gets 38, that's going to be tough for Chubb to make up the difference in a PPR. Maybe, but maybe the the the, the counter argument is the offense is going to be so good he's going to get so, he's going to score so many touchdowns and run for so many yards that it doesn't matter as much. Yeah, I think he will run for a lot of yards and score a lot of touchdowns. But I mean, you if you project the difference in touchdowns, you probably have Bell like nine and Chubb at like 11, and then the yardage is rushing yards is probably Chubb gets a slight edge, but it's not, you know, it's, it's on the margins. It's not like you project one for so much more than the other. And if the catches are that disparate where, you know, Bell's, Bell's getting 50, 60% more catches that, you know, that that's significant. I, I think we're, we just don't know with Chubb. We know he's good. We know the team is good. We know he's the first and second round back down back. He's probably the third down back, but we just don't know what that means. It, essentially in that, in that offense. Right. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. I, I, I just think that Chubb is just so ridiculously good. I think that, yeah, the pass catching is, is, is a concern. I'll, I'll grant you that. Kareem Hunt. He had and, like 5.2 yards per carry, but he had a couple like 90 yard runs for touchdowns that inflated that a bit too. Yeah. He's but that also that shows that he's capable of breaking off a 90 yard run. It, so. it does. It does. <laughs> but it's also a fluke event. You know what I mean? Usually sure. you get one of those every couple of years. And then t- he's not like super long speed fast, like Barkley or something. And then two, they just traded Zeitler to the giants, you know, for Olivier Vernon. So their offensive line has actually declined since last year. Yeah. But the jets offensive line is garbage too, though. It's number 28 in our rankings. It's worse than the Browns. Is it? Is it? Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, but bell bell just makes it gets a lot. I mean, you're right. And he's used to running behind really good lines in Pittsburgh. So Downgrade yeah. for him too, and yeah, he's all yeah, exactly. And you know, honestly, he's a year older. We don't we don't know. He, he, he on one hand, he hasn't been old. beat up for a year, but no, I'm saying one year. I, I mean, one year older since he last even played. Um, Two years. Yeah, and we don't know what he's got left in the tank. Uh, we we hope he's got a lot left in the tank, but we don't know. He should have a lot left in the tank. He's got fresh legs. You know, Ricky Williams walked the earth. Yeah, got big. Came back was like a new man. It's true, and that that's your that's your that's your guide there. You know, yeah. there's a lot in common between the two. That year that I thought there was, I was like, there's no upside to 32 year old Ricky Williams, and he was like running back four at the end of that year. Yeah, it, it's funny how that works. No upside to Rick Porcello, Cy Young. You know, oops, yeah. it happens it's, sometimes. It's, no upside to Lashawn McCoy. Wait till he's like the the you know three down back in KC this year. What? So what did you do with McCoy? How far did you move him up? I think he's like, I, I got to look at my, my sheet, but I think he's like in the forties or something. Where was he before? Uh, in the fifties as the starter in Buffalo or the ostensible starter or co-starter, he was like 50 something. And then when he got cut, I didn't really move him because there's a lot of talk. Like it was almost better that he might sign somewhere else. 
mm-hmm. than where he was. McCoy now is 38 in PPR for me. Yeah. I've got McCoy in a dynasty league. Uh, it's just, I mean, you, know, you can't cut anybody with a pulse, basically. Uh, and I should be selling him right now. But, of course, the one offer I've got I'm not enthused out about. I, I should probably, like, make it known to the rest of the league that he's available, though. Uh, the only problem is, like, the guy that has Damian Williams is the guy that's already engaging me, and he's lowballing me. So I'm like, eh, I really don't want anything to do with that. So, you know, it, it's, you know, it's one thing to say you, got it, you should be trading right now, but you've got to have a market, too. And maybe trades I are just... so stupid. Trades are so stupid. Like, most people, 90% of trades is somebody being like, maybe I can just trade my piece of garbage for something possibly useful. You know, or like maybe mm-hmm. I should trade my something possible useful for something I know is good. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. it's like, no, you got to trade something, you know, if you want to get something, you know, is good. You got to give up something, you know, is good. If you want to get something that's potentially useful, you got to trade something that's potentially useful. Yeah. Like you my know? offer was Albert piece Wilson. Of garbage, you can trade a piece of garbage, but nobody, there's no point in doing that trade. Yeah, like but I was just, offered Albert Wilson for him. I'm like, yeah, what does that do for me? You know, Albert I, Wilson, no, actually not that bad. He's actually has some upside, but. Yeah, he's got some upside on a terrible Miami team that's got a horrible <laughs> offensive yeah. line and horrible quarterback. Someone's got fast passes there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, I've heard worse. I got an offer. I won't name names in the staff league today. It was like, this is just an opening offer. And it was like two prospects who were in the, not even in James Anderson's top, like 300, this guy or this guy. And like a, I know this is baseball, but $29, Justin Upton for Altuve who might make a difference on the stretch. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you just gotta give me, that's not even, you would never consider that. Nobody would consider that. I, why would you even bother sending me that email? Like, why would you do that? It's just somebody hoping to trade something worthless for something good. Right. You know, that's, that never works. That never works. It's gotta be. Again, uh, did you get the two, did you get a two paragraph explanation of why that d- deal was good for you though? Said, oh, thanks. And the person said, um, well, you know, I just, you won't tell me who you, what you're looking for. So I just, you know, took a guess. I hope all is well. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? It's a good guess of what I'm looking for. Something good. Yeah. How about that? You know, like so, not your two most you expendable could, parts. Yes. Yes. Something that you won't keep next year anyway, even though I'm out, it's like, what I'm looking for is something that would be hard for you to part with because you know, it has value for next year. Right. That would be something I'm looking for. I mean, what is this? Oh, you got to read my mind. It's so hard to figure out what I might possibly. Oh, these total scrubs. Well, I don't know what you're looking for. Oh, no, you got me. I'm in the market for total scrubs. Guys, I'm going to drop. <laughs> of course I am. Why don't I give you a guy that will change the trajectory of the league for some total scrubs that I won't keep next year? Of course, you know, but it's just, I mean, you know what I'm looking for. Obviously, you know what I'm looking for. Right, right, exactly, and and I see that all the time. See that all the time. All right, let's, the whole there's so much there's such a disproportionate amount of trade advice in our industry to the actual import of of trades in our industry. I mean, waiver wire, draft, lineup setting. That is like ninety nine percent of it. The trades are we, we should almost never even talk about trades except to mock them. And dynasty and keeper leagues, you know, who makes the right trade, the best trades often wins. That's the problem. Um, in regular leagues, who makes the trades, who makes the trades with the other guy who doesn't even care. All right. Well, and, and good keeper hope leagues, good dynasty leagues. Changes. I'm hoping we're making some changes. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's an off air conversation. Uh, here's <laughs> a note from our, here's a note from our, I want to get you on record on this. 
Here's a note from our sponsor, Fantasy Draft. Here's one million rake-free reasons to play on Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft is kicking off the 2019 NFL season in a big way with the million-dollar Hooters kickoff. This guaranteed contest is just $20 to enter with the top 10,000 finishers winning cash prizes. And like all contests on Fantasy Draft, it's rake-free. That means 100% of their entry fees are paid to the contest winners. Rake-free contests on Fantasy Draft are a game-changer. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to rake. Join Fantasy Draft today and experience rake-free daily fantasy for yourself. Register at FantasyDraft.com today and use promo code RWNFL to take part in the rake-free revolution. So, Chris, once again, holdouts are a big part of our conversation, even in this last draft weekend. Uh, Zeke Elliott and Melvin Gordon still aren't signed. There's been the news cycle with both these guys affecting things. Negative news for Gordon for the most part. Varying news for Zeke Elliott with actually not really news, but more just unnamed sources and rumors. Uh, And that's been the really tough part. And I hate that holdout analysis has become a part of our job. Yeah, it's boring. And the reporting is bad. Sports reporters are bad. Political reporters are terrible. And so are sports reporters. The reporting is just bad. Just be a real man and get someone to go on record. And if they won't go on record, say I asked several executives, none of whom will go on record, so I'm not going to pass along what they're going to say. You say my view, but it's totally based on stuff that you can't verify, is that I think this. But we don't have any great sourcing because nobody will go on record and be good for what they're saying. You know, in a court of law, hearsay is inadmissible for a very good reason. If I say, if I say uh, I saw somebody, you know, do X, Y, and Z, then I'm a witness and that's admissible. But if I say, I heard someone say that so-and-so did the crime, that's not admissible because A, you don't know if so-and-so is reliable. You have no you know, uh, chance to cross-examine so-and-so who's talking about it. You don't know what their motive is. They're not on the hook for it. They're not accountable. You can't assess their credibility. All these reasons, all these are reasons why in a court of law, hearsay is thrown out. Right. An unnamed source is precisely hearsay. It's, I heard someone say this, right? But you don't have any access to listen to it yourself to decide how credible it is or decide whether that person knows what the hell they're talking about, whether they're lying, whether they're trying to get the stuff out in the media on purpose. You have no idea. There's good reason because it's not reliable. Yet every sports reporter, 90% of the stuff is unsourced. Unnamed source said this. Unnamed source said that. And, you know, it's just clickbait at this point. And with the Zeke thing was unnamed source said it's almost done. Unnamed source said it's not done. We just don't know. I don't think the Melvin Gordon news was bad. I think the Melvin Gordon news was good because it's going to force clarity. I think it was worse that the GM was saying, you know, know, we're, we're hoping to work it out with Melvin before the season because... Melvin Gordon has no leverage. They're not going to pay him some giant contract when he's been hurt quite a bit, when he's given his best years to them already cheaply. They're not going to all of a sudden pay up for him. They're not going to do it. So it's better that he just comes out and says that, and then Melvin Gordon can explore a trade and not make it happen, which is almost impossible at this point. And then when that doesn't happen, Melvin Gordon has a choice. And, all, and we all know he has a choice. You're going to come back, tail between your legs, take the $5 million of your the option that they took for your fifth-year rookie deal, Or are you going to say, no, I don't want to pay for it, and then I'm going to have to deal with this whole thing again next year and maybe risk not being there or at least be out for a certain amount of time? And, you know, the longer he waits, the more paychecks he loses. So, and maybe, you know, Justin Jackson's good. Maybe Eckler's good. And then they don't even need him anymore. I mean, the worst thing Zeke could do, honestly, is they really wanted Zeke, and they probably offered him decent money, but he wanted more. Zeke's different because he's actually more important to the Cowboys and he's not been hurt so much. Right. But 
if Tony Pollard comes out there and balls in week one, scores two touchdowns, 150 yards against a weak Giants team, it's like James Conner. It's like, well, look, you know, we're we're okay. You know, that's the worst thing that could happen. Right now, they know Zeke is really good, and they don't know if Pollard's good. They think he's probably good, but they don't know. But if they let Pollard start to, you know, gain a fan following, earn the trust of the team, you know, then then Zeke is going to get the offer would only go down. So it's, it's so funny. Like today I read a report, Tony Pollard switched numbers from 36 to 20 and they're like, Oh, that's a starter's number now. Like, as opposed to a guy that's just trying to make the team or something like that. Let's read that tea leaf. Oh, stop. Just right. let's just see the game here. You know, he fumbles on the second play and none of this all matters. I and mean, it's like, okay, we got to go get Zeke, you know, or, you know, or he runs for 200. It could happen either way. I mean, we don't know. Um, and everyone will be invested in one way or another. So they'll be rooting for that investment. Uh, you're, but yeah, it's a wide range of outcomes that can happen there. And uh, it's just, you know, it could be like the whole Emmett Smith thing again, where they failed without him. They went 0 3 without him. And then he had all this leverage and boom, all of a sudden he was a guy that's getting a, a huge run. You know, he got his contract and he was cowboy for almost all the rest of his life, uh, his professional life, uh, until like that last year with the cards. Ugh. Different now, though. Yeah. Players make way more adjusted for inflation. So even like, you know, I mean, yeah. Levin Bell made like 15 mil in his holdout year or whatever. Gordon's not made much because a rookie deal. He'd make five this year. So that may be valuable to him. But also like there's, there's much more known about concussions. Yeah. Uh, the running backs are being devalued. So the money's just not there for them on the back end right. after the first contract ends. And there's just awareness that the CBA is unfair to players. So yet um, there's nothing. And it's not going to change though, because the owners have no reason to back down. Maybe they can negotiate it a different way, but this is it's being devalued because owners are seeing this as being the logical way to proceed. And unless these holdouts really hurt the team, and maybe you could argue Lev Bell, and you could argue Lev Bell's might have hurt the team last year a lot. It might have hung over the team in different ways, even though Connor was fine. It might have been just that you know there was this lingering feeling over the over the team over the last year. But until it actually really really hurts the team. They have no incentive to change that part of the collective bargaining. It's just like young players in baseball. We can complain about it all we want. We can say how unfair it is all we want, but that doesn't mean that it's going to change in the next collective bargaining agreement. The owners are going to be like, oh, yeah, you got a good point there. No, they're going to be like, yeah, we I like it the way it is. I, th- I think the only way it could change is if the marquee quarterbacks, really the quarterbacks are the face of the sport. We're like, listen, this is a bad deal from a lot for a lot of our guys. Quarterbacks are getting paid well, right? They, they're actually like, they get concussed yeah. and stuff, but like they're rich and you know, the rules have been tilted so that they get less damaged. Although luck got hurt right. a lot. Rogers has been hurt a lot. But if the Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton's, if the top 15 quarterbacks are like, guys, I don't think we're going to play this year unless we redo this properly and you know, we've made enough money. So we're fine. Uh, and you know, we're going to talk to the college guys and just tell them like, just, just hold off. Um, they might actually move the needle, but I don't think, uh, you know, it's gotta be the, the big time guys doing it. They're the only ones with any leverage. Well, and see, here's because the thing, you know, even then, like the NFL's already won because it's all about, you know, how they split the pie, their, their portion of the pie. It's not like, 
okay, you know, this whole salary cap thing is wrong. And, you know, we're, you know, it's, it's all under the broad penumbra of, okay, we're going to get 48 versus 47% of the revenues or whatever the number is. I, I don't know the exact number. Um, I don't know even close to what the exact number is, but it's still the whole point is they've got the players to agree to a cap. You know, it's that's where where they win. I mean, it's just it's all it's well, only I mean, a matter of a couple who alternatives get- to that. Right. They could just say, look, there's no more cap and we split it, you know, whatever we split it or there is a cap, but we we get 60 percent of it. You guys aren't adding any value to the game. Nobody cares if an owner drops dead. I mean, if an owner dies, someone else replaces him. Nobody cares. But when Andrew Luck retires, it's a big deal for the league, right? Nobody cares about these owners. I mean, the owner, no one goes to see the owner. So I think that there's, you know, they won't do that because they think they're important and they think we, you know, we invested our capital. We took the risk and all that. But did they really take a risk? Their parents did. Their grandfathers built the league. You didn't really take a big risk. You just inherited a team and it's worth, it was worth a hundred million. Now it's worth a billion. You didn't really do anything. You know, a a nutless monkey could have done that, you know? So I, I think that the, the real threat has to be, you know, either the, the, the guys leave in mass, but the bigger threat is disruption where the, you know, you just build software that can run a league because honestly, like, you know, again, like the venues, like renting out venues and selling tickets and marketing and all that stuff. That's not 52% of the revenue of the entire NFL worth it. You could get some program and AI and a bunch of, you know, 20 somethings who were smart to do Mm -hmm. all that stuff via software and, you know, hire a couple of, you know, people to do that. And obviously there'd be hiccups and stuff and there'd be a big fight between the new league. They started with different stadiums and where they try to like freeze them out of the stadium. There'd be a big fight. Right. But eventually, you know, I think that that's, you know, I think eventually that's the way to go. Yeah. It's just every time that the players union lately has tried to rise up, they've, they've lost. And then, you know, and it's a matter of keeping, you know, there's a lot of interest to kind of keep the together is playing on their terms, yeah. right? That's different than just saying, you know, we're going to just start our own thing. We don't really need you. You're not adding any value. It's only the brands. It's, it's the logos and the brands to which people are attached. It's just the network effect. It's like, it's just that people like the giants or the Bengals or whatever. That's the only reason that the owners have any value. They own the brand, which is valuable, but they're actually personally, who cares? They're, they're adding nothing. It's the coaches and players. That's the only value in the, in the league. Yeah. And, and it's hard to get from that realization to actual action that changes things. Hey, uh, you know, people didn't think newspapers, you know, uh, don't worry. Newspapers, we don't need a website. Right. It's internet right. thing. Suddenly the newspapers are pretty much done. You know, I didn't like, say it's impossible. I just said it's yeah, difficult. Yeah. It, ha- it happens. It happens, you know, Slowly and then all at once, you know, and I, right. I'm not saying this is imminent. I'm just saying like ultimately instead of going to the owners and try to beg them to like move the, you know, move it over a little bit. It's like just go around them. Start your own thing. Indeed. And now a quick note from our sponsor, Fantasy Football Evolution. Fantasy Football Evolution is back for 2019 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've added mock drafting. Move the championship final to NFL Week 16 and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join FFE and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. FFE's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long fantasy football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver-wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You'll get 16 weeks of action for just $25. You could be the next FFE $25,000 champion. Maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. 
Optional auto draft and lineup assist can help you manage them with ease. It's all here. What are you waiting for? Register now at FantasyFootballEvolution.com and join the evolution. Availability varies by state. Visit FantasyFootballEvolution.com for details. You're listening to the Rotowire NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris Liss, uh, talking on a Monday, uh, the Monday before the start of Week One. Here, Chris uh, just finished uh, my, my second, my penultimate draft. I, I did the NFFC Classic on Saturday. Had the Amaki draft, which is the one that started Rotowire on Wednesday. You know, I, I see a lot of like, this is why you draft late things uh, after this weekend. I'm like. This is why you draft on Saturday night uh, uh, before week one, because there's Zeke still holding out. You want to wait till that's resolved, right? No. This is why you wait till week three to draft until Melvin Gordon comes back. Oh, wait, then there's 17 other injuries. You know, it's I, I, I like both early and late drafts. I, I the triumphant. This is why you wait to draft posts really always crack me up. Yeah, I mean, this is why you wait to draft till December 24th, because now you know exactly who what everyone's done. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. You never know the future. You know, it's like you won't know what to do in week 16 if you draft the week before week 16. I mean, you you know what you know, and everybody's in the same boat in terms of public information available. I, I think it's ridiculous, that argument. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you think you know now before the season? Check out week three what you didn't know in, before the season. Exactly. You're gonna be like, oh, I didn't know these three guys would get hurt, and these other two guys would get the job and be so much better than I thought. Yeah, well, don't draft till week three. I mean, there's this ridiculous. That's just the dumbest thing to say. Yeah. So, and meanwhile, yeah, I got Devin Singletary in the 11th. Yes. Now I got to pay the fifth. No, I don't like that. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Or, and that's not even the best example. It's it's the guys that you think are you know they didn't just fall into a job, but guys that you were high on that just you know the, that other people started reading the same things and the price went up. Uh, you know whether it's Chris Godwin or. You know, maybe you're a Chris Carson guy and you, you were getting him in the fifth round. Now you're paying third round prices for him. Now you priced in the upside. No, you know, you want to be able to like get him. you know, ha- there's a big advantage to drafting early sometimes. What's funny is like, I always used to think like for like the NFBC overall contest, you want to draft as early as possible because like I got Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb on a team and Fournette and Kittle. And you can just never do that now. And so wait, I've got a huge advantage, but like, there's so much that, but I don't even think there is an advantage for drafting super early in the overall, because there's so much that we don't know now that's going to be the case in week three, that just the unknown is just <laughs> the combinations of players that you get. If we were to redraft in week three, there's guys drafting now that have combinations you could never get if we redrafted in week three. Yeah. So it's just such a drop in the bucket that you know, the July to August changes when the in the regular season there's going to be way more changes than there were in the preseason. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's just a big unknown. And, you know, hopefully at the end of the year, you got some combinations that if it were, you know, if you're drafting whenever you were drafting, there's no way you could have that team. I have to say, I kind of wish the NFFC were like a 15 to 16 round draft instead of 20, uh, especially in the 14 teamer, because you're already dealing with such a penetration in the player pool and football that it's harder to find help on the in the uh on the waiver wire than it is in say baseball. Uh, and I, I, I kind of don't want the draft to be so disproportionately impactful, you know, cause yeah, you, you get the right lottery tickets. Okay. That's how you won. Or, you know, you just, you, you avoided the whammies of the first two rounds. So that's why you won. I think that happens more in football than it does in baseball. I don't know though. I mean, you're saying smaller benches. I can see it, but 
there's still, there's so many guys that emerge like for three weeks and they get dropped and then they're really good at the end of the year. There's always those like three week guys. Now last year was Derek Henry. He was, I actually did drop him in like week 14. I had a loaded team yeah. and before the playoffs, I was like, it's a PPR. He's kind of worth it. He doesn't really do much. Oh no. I, yes. I dropped him. Uh, or maybe I just sat him, but I think I actually dropped him last year, like right before the playoffs started too. Um, so at least yeah. nobody could pick him up then. Right. I think he wasn't owned in my league, but I mean, it was just, there's no chance to win the overall without Henry. Um, I don't think I would have won even if I had him, but I would have certainly done a lot better. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't really bother me. I, I like the draft being for a lot. I, I've liked it less in recent years when sports, uh, become just sort of waiver. Like there's so much waiver. I, I like the waiver wire to be like a little add on. Uh, but I think the draft should be at least 60, 60 to 70%. That's ideal for me. Cause it's such a, it's such a fun day. And if the draft starts getting down to like 30%, it, it's too low. It, the stakes are too low on the day of the draft. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's, you know, it, it's finding that fine balance. I just, you know, and sometimes, you know, and well, who knows? We, I, we don't know how this is going to play out. We don't know if this is the year there's going to be 10 running backs that come out to be awesome. Right. You know, Arian Foster wasn't anybody's idea of a star. Yeah. And, and then he was like the fancy playoff stud one year. And he Jamal was totally Charles undrafted. one year. Yeah. Same thing. It happens all the time. Um, you know, it's funny. There, there are, there are going to be, there's probably like, one percent or less that saw those guys, you know, in training camp, like, oh yeah, he's going to be a star. I want to get him. More often than not, it's going to be okay. He's got the chance. Sure, I'll take a chance on him. You know, he's got yeah, the but opportunity. That, but, but that's why. And we're going to do a column this year. We're going to have uh, Juan Carlos Blanco write a column, sort of like that, where a lot of times the key isn't even having a guy who's actionable, like in the preseason or even like week three, you see something, but just to notice a player just to like take note of like, Oh yeah, that guy yeah. Man, he looks pretty good. I, I read about him. Or I thought about him because then in week 11, when it's like a week away from that guy being picked up or that guy's now in some kind of timeshare, you go a couple bucks more just because it's like, you have a little bookmark in your brain. That's like, Oh yeah, I remember that. That guy looked pretty good. And then when he does bust out, you're the guy who has him. You know, that's, that's always the way to play it. Like, just be aware. You, maybe you pick a guy up for a buck cause you have an, a dead spot that you're just like, let's have a spot or maybe you don't, but you're just sort of the first to, to get there because you considered it first. You know, that's, that's always a good, it's good to just be alert, file away these names. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and that's one thing, like we're kind of like one of the things that we have is a weekly playing time link, I think in our uh, admin area for football, it kind of like jumps out. Like, so like, I'm going to use that for the value meter where I can like, check out, okay, there's this guy that's got X amount of playing time that I don't have ra- ranked, but Oh, I didn't notice that he was playing that much. Okay. Now, I, you know, you'll get that. Maybe it's just snaps. It may not even be where he's gotten the carries, but he was, at least he's on the field. Maybe, uh, they're starting to like use him, like, look, put him in certain sets. You're like, okay, this is someone I got to pay attention to now. Yeah. I mean, and you know, unfortunately I used to be, they did the podcast with Chris Harris where he's talking about skills and I used to be the skills guy. I just love the big fast receivers, the guys who theoretically could do anything, mm-hmm. red zone, deep throws, everything. And I used to draft all these guys and I'd always be like, no, I'm not taking Julian Edelman or Wes Welker or whatever. And people would be like, dude, the guy catches like, you know, 90 or hundred passes every year. I'm like, I know, but he sucks. Like he just catches like an eight yard pass but I've sort of come around and DFS has kind of pushed me even further in this direction to like opportunity is number one. 
And so it really is important to track that stuff. And it might even be somebody that you're like, he shouldn't get the role. You know, I, I think I, I used to make this mistake. Well, this guy should get the job. So I'm going to invest in him and not realizing like, not only is the coach an idiot and a total coward, but maybe the, the teammates like this guy. Cause even though he's not doing anything that's like a high degree of difficulty, he's, you know, he, he's the one who's not dropping the ball ever. Or they know right. where he's going to be on the field and they feel more confident. And politically they like him in the locker room. He's been around, you know, that there's like a workplace dynamic going on and whatever it is, you know, I've just sort of gravitated to like, you know what, forget about should just worry about is. Yeah. I think that's there. There, That's the dichotomy. Um, it's always a tough part there. And I, th- and sometimes it's not even should, it's like talking about two guys that kind of both have roles. Maybe one is doing versus one can do, but they're both got the same opportunity. I guess that that's maybe something that's more of the tiebreaker. Maybe someone, okay. He ran for more yards last year, but that's also because he was behind this great offensive line and blah, blah, blah. This guy, if he ever gets the, that, that those other factors evened out, he'll be far better. I guess it's figuring out handicapping about evening out those other factors, I suppose, too. Yeah. I mean, this opportunity is king and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because it's kind of boring, but it's, it just is, it just is true. Once you convert, you realize it's the correct uh, religion. I was, I was in the, the wrong religion before. Once I realized opportunity is king, it's just so much easier to be like, yeah, I don't even like that guy, but I'm going to take him because opportunity is king. I'm thinking it's good to be agnostic and not have a religion, period. Um, but that, that's just me. Just, you know, try, you know, I think that's really, if you, I think sometimes you want to spend so much time trying to put it into fitting it into your framework as opposed to just saying, okay, is it A or B? I prefer A. But you got to make a choice. You know, you, it's not like you can be agnostic. You can be agnostic in, in philosophy or religion, but you got to choose between two players. And often it's like one guy has more opportunity. The other guy has more physical talent uh-huh. and you're like, which one are I going to choose? And I, what I'm saying is, is I want, I want to say hundred percent of the time, but like 80% of the time go with opportunity. You know, now sometimes talent portends opportunity, but you know, it, that yeah. talent may, it better not just be the guys with the spreadsheets recognizing the talent. It better be recognized by the coaches too. And you know, you can't just look at combine numbers or yards per target or right. efficiency you, you, that the coach may not care. You know, it's, he's got to care. And, you know, it's one thing if it's like Chris Godwin and they say, oh, he's going to get a ton of tar- a ton of opportunity. And you say, okay, I'm going to buy that. It's coming from the coach, but it's a lot different when you say, well, this guy's just so good. He should get the opportunity, but coach doesn't, the coach didn't say anything about that. Then he, you know, then to me, just go with the guy who is getting it. Yeah. I guess my point is I just don't want to get like, Hey, real man engine says this. So therefore I say this, you know, like I, I, first of all, the real man, you have to understand real man does the thing that's least optimal usually for uh, profit. Roman doesn't care about profit. Jeff real man cares about his senseless risk of catastrophic loss. But I hear what you're saying, but what I'm saying is it's not like, it's just, true. Like it's just the guy, it's just, if you look at the difference between not even a situation where, you know, the coach is just not bought into a guy's skill, but the difference in something like yards per carry between two guys. And then the number of carries, you know, if a guy's getting 270 carries and another guy's getting 180, it's almost impossible for the 180 guy. If they have the same amount of catches 
to beat him in yards. That I'd agree with. Just just in yards per carry. It's just almost impossible to get 50% more yards per carry. I mean, if one guy gets 3.4 and the other guy gets 5.1, okay, you're there. Right. But that's how disparate it has to be. And it's just there, there, there's more of a uh, – there's it's, it's more um, – it's closer together. The gap between you know the worst and the best regular backs is usually smaller than the gap between opportunity, basically. That I buy. That I would buy. And now a note from our title sponsor, Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Yahoo has officially released their Week 1 Daily Fantasy Football Contest. They have a $1 million contest for Week 1 with no management fee and 100000 in first place, meaning more money goes back to you, the players. 10 entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like on other sites. Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest. So there are lots of prizes out there for Week 1. If you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football... Join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. You're listening to the Rotowire NFL Fantasy Football Podcast on Monday. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Chris Bliss. Uh, Chris, I did uh, the NFFC yeah, uh, uh, fourteen team draft and fourteen teams is tough. It really is tough. You, you always feel like you're weak somewhere that you you don't have that the crazy depth. You do an online championship and you're like, oh yeah, I got Miles Sanders here as my four and all that. No, he's your three here. He everything you know everything's up one or two two spots even. And you're like, oh yeah, I got to get a backup quarterback. Yeah, I got to get a backup tight end. Maybe even two. I feel you know feel uh, you know bare if I don't. Um, one thing I did do is what I did notice is in the 14 teamers, everybody waits even longer on kickers and defense uh, a little bit oh, defense. I did see one team take uh, the bears in the 10th round, but you know, it's, it's, it's a consideration because you're, you get to that point. You're like, eh, I don't really love anybody here that much. I'm going to go ahead and take Zerline. I'm going to go ahead and take Butker. Why not? Um, and then in my case, so I did that because, and Tucker was gone already, of course. So I can't stay completely on a red wire brand. So I did that 15th round. Oh, I'll take Harrison Butker week 12 by week. He's, you know, the Chiefs are going to score a ton of points. Fine. McCoy was the next pick. So there, there, you think Ouch. that there's no upside. And then, then you see, oh, Sean McCoy is the next pick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, it might not matter. I do, I do like the kickers, especially in the 14, like that three, four, five format with Tucker. It matters. But I, it matters. I mean, <laughs> And it just sucks. Like when your kicker gets like one point, you know, it's just terrible. And I do think at the top where you have the chiefs offense or the Rams offense with Zerline's leg or Justin Tucker, who gets so many 50 yard attempts and long 40 yard attempts with the four, three, four, five, it's not even three, four, five, it's just 0.1 times the the distance, which can be 57, get 5.7 for a field goal. Um, It's, it makes a difference. And uh, I, I don't mind you know, in the 13th, 14th round, grabbing one and saying, oh, you have to wait to the second to last round. You're a sucker if you don't. You know, sometimes the guy getting the 18th is just as good as the guy getting the 15th. When you're, when you're dealing with those rounds, it's like, it's not like four, oh, I, I got a kicker four rounds later than you. <clears throat> yeah, four rounds from like 14 to 18 is like, it's like not, it's like a three picks from like in the second round in right. terms of the dollar value drop off. It's like, it's very little. Um, and I, I think it, you know, I think it's wrong to say kickers and defenses are too unpredictable. I think it's the same thing we talked about with offensive lines at the very top, 
they're predictable. At the very bottom, they're predictable. In the vast middle, they're probably very unpredictable. So get one at the top or just totally wait and just take something that seems credible. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, I, you know, I, yeah, and then there's times that I've waited to the last round. I think if you miss on one, if you don't, for some reason you don't get one of the top three or four kickers, well, yeah, take kicker 12. I don't care. Then right. I, uh, I think that's, that's the difference. And I, you know, maybe you feel that way about defenses the same way. Maybe you don't. And then obviously system matters there too. Scoring system matters there. I've been in, I, I actually used to play in a, a crazy league where we got like, negative points for every point scored against you and you know certain negative points after for yards so it was it was trying to prevent negative points from your defense and yeah you got sacks and interceptions and turnovers you still got you know and touchdowns you still got positive points but you know it was one of those where it really did matter to get a really good defense um and it well, doesn't to, happen i think defense is so hard i i don't i haven't reached on defenses i mean I, for me my biggest consideration on defense was get the eagles home against the redskins get the ravens in Miami. The Dolphins, like, yeah. Just give me a week one defense. I, I, I didn't want the Jaguars hosting the chiefs. Cause I'm like, I didn't want to use them week one. And yeah. then, you know, maybe they're not as good as people think they're not even that good last year. Like I don't want to start speculating on defense unless, you know, the, the point spread is gigantic in week one. Okay, good. I'll do that. I don't want to do much. I, I didn't want to go much beyond that. Yeah. So it's just a different way to play. And, you know, a lot of people will stream. It's harder to stream in a 14 than a 12, obviously, too. Uh, that's another consideration is I like getting two defenses in the NFBC. I like to be able to choose and hopefully, you know, getting to at least one of them probably ends up being good. Mm-hmm. And if they both end up being good, then it's really nice. The streaming you can really crush. Um, but if even just one is good, you drop the other and stream when, you know, when there's tough matchups. But I, I like two defenses late in that in that format. Yeah, I, I don't mind it either. I, I think that that's that works pretty well. And there'll still be some opportunities to screen uh, to stream. I'm trying to count like there's only like three teams in my league that took two defenses. Four uh, four teams maybe. Um, so ch- point is that there'll be like ten defenses or so on the waiver wire, and one of those teams will be good. Is the funny thing? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and the other thing is too. I, like, go ahead. Would you rather take the, the ADP number one defense, the Bears, or would you rather take whichever of the 10 undrafted defenses year-end ends up being the best of those 10? The latter, for sure, especially because, well, and the thing is, you're not going to use that same one every week either. You get the opportunity to stream. Well, let's just say you had, to, you had to use the same, like whichever one was the best of those 10 or the Bears. You had to use everyone. And you had to, and you, and you would spend the early 80 ADP price on the bears. No, no, I'm saying same price, same I'm price. Saying, oh, okay. I'm saying, cause you'll never know if you, the problem with the bottom 10 is you, you don't know which one it is. But what I'm saying is if you could just in advance, get whatever team finished best among the 10 undrafted or the bears, I'd take the and, bears and, then. Um, I'd take the undrafted. You still, you take the undrafted at the C at, at the ADP. I would take the undrafted. No, for not sure. the ADP. Just same cost. Just say it's you know each one would cost. Eh, probably bears, but man, it, the, it, the best of the ten. Okay, it's close. There's, it's really there's close. No way the best, there's no way those ten are going to be twenty three through thirty two. There's no way. Okay. No. So what do you think the best would be? It'd probably be like, I mean, someone's going to one of those is going to be in the top ten. I, I think almost certainly one would be in the top ten. So, you, but you know, where in the top 10 and what's your range for the bears? Are they one through 15? Well, the bears could be number 10. one or number 20. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's defense is volatile. What's the bottom maybe range? Yeah. Take the bears, yeah. but it would be, well, maybe the bears are the better call because the bears are more likely to finish in the top five. Probably 
the and other one's probably more like, you know, equally likely to finish in the top 10. Right. I pro- maybe the bears are the better call, but it, it's, it's close. And you would have been right last year because the Jaguars were the number one last year and, you know, drafted team. And they certainly were way below what you paid for yeah. them. Way below. Yeah. Who was the best of the, the bottom 10? I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, bo- best in the bottom 10? Probably Bears. Were the Bears even drafted high? No, they weren't. No, they probably after, were. Uh, Khalil Mack signed. Yeah, that's probably yeah. true, actually. Now I'm thinking about it here. Uh, Cleveland, um, Eagles, I don't know. Colts, um, Colts, Colts. Were they good? Were they a good uh, fantasy defense last year? I can't remember. They were. I, uh, yeah, hey, they were definitely bottom ten. Uh, it, the thing is, I don't really have faith in any of the defenses this year. Maybe the Bears, but maybe the Bears are the only one. But I don't really. Like, I took the Rams and one. I, I took the Eagles and Ravens because the week one. But I really just don't have faith in fantasy defenses. You could year. take like the I, Seahawks in week one too. Is another. Yeah, you could take them, and then after signing uh, Clowney, yeah, they might actually be good. Yeah, get a home home start against the Bengals to start. You know, that's the thing. And they, they were affordable, too, in draft. So they were still getting – they got pushed up a little bit on Saturday. And they if you draft this week, they'll be pushed up a little bit more. But other than that, yeah, uh, I can see that. So it's just one way to attack defenses and kickers just a little bit there. Um, any other 14 versus 12 observations you wish to make before we sign off today? Um, I think that one thing to keep in mind about the 14 is while it's hard to fill, the standards are lower. This is how I feel in baseball on my 15 versus my 12. Right. Yeah. My 15 is so much worse. And my 12 is just a superstar team, but my 15 is doing well because I don't, the other teams are worse too. Right. It's like in the 12, the other teams are better too. So it's, you know, it's not as, um, it's not a big deal if you can't, um, you know, if you can't get, you know, all the, all the players you want or you're, you're weak at some place. Other teams are too. Exactly. Exactly. Right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's uh, podcast. I want to thank Yahoo fantasy sports for sponsoring us as always. Uh, we'll be back again at you tomorrow, uh, Joe Bartell and uh, Jake Letarski. Uh, and then I will have a special guest on Wednesday. Stay tuned. Uh, thanks again for listening to the RotoWire podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review and happy Labor Day. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.